my man, but he'll be just fine. But the Steelers' defense and the Steelers' salary cap, we'll see about that. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio. This program, Daily Shot, is available to you bright and early every Monday through Friday morning on all podcasting platforms, notably Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Anchor, Google. We're everywhere. Set us to automatic downloads. Make us a part of your daily commute or your daily jog or whatever it is. I've been hearing from readers and listeners for a while now about the different ways that they're tuning in. All of them are just fine by me. I'm happy to be along with you for the ride. Bud Dupree and the Steelers had a deadline yesterday at 5 p.m. to sign a long-term contract, or Bud would be required to play on his franchise tag figure of $15.82 million. Break that down over 16 games, and Bud's basically getting a million dollars a game. As I said, don't weep for the man. He'll be just fine. And you know what? He's going to get paid for the future as well. Someone will sign him if the Steelers don't. This isn't the end of the Steelers trying to sign Bud. I believe Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin, when they say they want to keep him around for the long term, I believe Colbert and Tomlin, when they say that they value what Bud and T.J. Watt bring collectively to the defense. I know T.J. is going to get a lot of credit and should for the amount of pressures that Bud is able to generate off the edge because there's going to be extra attention to T.J., But I also know that Bud's doing his part, too, and TJ will very much tip the cap in the other direction. They're bookends. They're both outstanding defensive players. TJ's on another level. I'm not comparing them. Just saying that they're both really, really good at what they do. The Steelers are fortunate to have both. They did very well to have drafted both and to have developed them as they did. But 2020, man, think about this now. Think about this year. We've been looking at the Steelers from a window prism for a long time now, almost entirely because of Ben Roethlisberger. We would say, well, Ben's this many years old, therefore the Steelers have to win now. Or when it was Ben, A.B., and Lev, it was these three guys are only going to be together in that backfield for so long. Uh, They're going to have to get it done. they got to get it done right away. That's always been that sense around this franchise, I think, for at least the last 10 years. There's just always this window feeling, well, guess what? Here comes another one. Because I'm about to lay out this scene here that's created by Bud staying on the franchise tag. And it's at least a little bit ominous. See, after the coming year, Bud can be a free agent. He can go anywhere he wants, and he's going to get his money. Uh, Lining up on the other side from TJ, he's going to get his sack totals, his pressures, his hits, his hurries. And there are going to be people who watch that film and appreciate Bud for exactly what he is and not just what he is as a result of TJ's work. 
He's going to get paid. The Steelers will still make an attempt to keep him, to pay him. But then they also made one to try to keep Javon Hargrave. And it didn't rival at all what Philadelphia ended up coming up with. They've also made attempts to keep other players, but they didn't rival what others did. And this is where you end up wondering whether or not this will be Bud's last year because the Steelers clearly have a figure in mind. They have an average annual value that they feel they can pay Bud into the future, but also account for other people who have to get paid. The number one person who has to get paid in 2021 and beyond, without a doubt, is T.J. Watt. They have to find a way to lock him up. If you look at the contract extension that the Browns signed Miles Garrett to, you know, helmet swinger and all that, it was five years and $125 million. Miles Garrett's getting $25 million a year. Miles Garrett was the first overall pick in the 2017 draft. He's got 37 sacks in 30 career games. Uh, he is what he is. He's not TJ Watt. There's no one, even on the Cleveland side, other than Miles Garrett, maybe, who would tell you otherwise. T.J. Watt is a better football player than Miles Garrett. Does that mean T.J. is going to get that kind of money? I don't know. There's different ways the Steelers can work through that. Maybe they go with, oh, longer term doesn't really matter in the NFL because it's more about guaranteed money. So maybe they can find a way to guarantee more money. Uh, give him what's necessary to keep him in the fold. They want him, and TJ wants to stay. I'm not guessing at that. He's told me that. He's told me that in really powerful, convincing terms. TJ Watt wants and expects and hopes and whatever other verb you want to attach to it to remain a Pittsburgh Steeler for the duration of his career. I believe him. I believe the Steelers when they say they want to keep TJ Watt. They know what it's going to take. It might not be $25 million a year, but you know what? It might. And they have to start thinking about it. They have to start planning it. Ben is collecting $36 million to be quarterback, but he's 38 years old. At some point, that clock is going to run out. You still want a quarterback who you're paying a lot of money to, but it doesn't have to be that much. But how do you account for that if you're Kevin Colbert, if you're Omar Khan, the cap specialist? How do you account for that? How do you start thinking about how you're going to pay, oh, look around, after the coming year? James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster are both free agents. Now, you can shrug that off based on what they did in 2019, but what if they do what they did in 2018 when Ben was the quarterback? James Conner went to the Pro Bowl. Juju looked like he was headed for top 100 of all time greatness. What if they do that now, heading into a contract year? Where are the Steelers going to come up with this money? What about Cam Hayward? He's 30 years old, and he's playing a position that doesn't lend itself to playing forever. But did you see him in 2019? Not everybody around football appreciates Cam Hayward the way they should, but you sure should in Pittsburgh when you're watching him all the time. 
That is a special football player, a special person, a special leader. Can you imagine him leaving? Can you imagine him playing for another team? Cam hasn't gotten paid yet either. There's other decisions that they have to make, including on that defense. And I'm going to throw in one more wrench for you just for the heck of it, just to further annoy you if this conversation didn't already do that. At some point, when you're making these types of decisions, especially the ones that reach out into several years, which is what we're talking about when we're talking about TJ in particular, but also in all likelihood, Bud, Juju, that sort of thing. When you do that, you have to understand that at some point or other, you're also going to need to pay Minka Fitzpatrick. And if Minka becomes what any reasonable football evaluator believes he will become, then his money is going to go through the roof. Now, on top of all of that, factor in that the NFL's salary cap isn't about to be going up and up and up and up because of the pandemic's effect on football. The same way we just saw in the NHL, salary caps get frozen pretty much over the next five years. The NFL's cap isn't going to be doing some great expanding. It just isn't. There are going to have to be hard decisions made, both before the coming season and then again after the season is done. And I have a feeling that if everyone gets what they want during the season, meaning fans and the team itself, and the Steelers do really well, it's going to be a lot of the players that I just mentioned to you who are going to be doing that damage. And they're going to be raising their price. And it's not going to be a matter of, uh, oh, the cap's going to be tighter, so everyone will just accept less money. No, there's 32 teams out there. There's going to be cash available for you somewhere. Someone is going to pay to take these players off your hands. You want a positive after all this stuff I just buried you with? I'll give you one. Those guys are all going to be in that locker room, looking each other in the eye, having at least a decent idea that they might not be together again after the coming season. They might not get another chance to compete, to contend the way this group can and I think will. They can look around the NFL and see Lev, uh, whatever it is that he's doing with the New York Jets. They can look at A.B. throwing furniture off his patio or somewhere and say, man, that could be me. I don't want to leave the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't want to go to some loser team. I don't want to lose my mind. They want to stay right where they are. But money does call. So they might look at this the way I think a lot of us would be as the last chance to see a lot of different players competing together at the same time. When we come back, I'm going to talk about a different level of football. couple different levels of football 
and the mounting concern, some of it I think legitimate, that we won't see it this fall. And of course I'm referring to both colleges and high schools. This segment of the program is always brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. During normal times, one in seven people in our region are food insecure, including one in five children. Not knowing where your next meal is coming from can be a scary thought, and now during the pandemic, the need for food is even greater. If you are in need of food assistance, or if you'd like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank's mission of feeding people in need and eliminating hunger in our region, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Spell that out. No abbreviations there. pittsburghfoodbank.org. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. The PIAA, which is the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic Association, the governing body, of high school sports in our Commonwealth put out a a rather amateurish statement late yesterday afternoon saying that they're planning on going ahead with fall sports as scheduled, including football, which is obviously the moneymaker around here. And there really wasn't much there to justify it. I mean, you'd think they would have thought it through a little bit more thoroughly than they did, but they really didn't. It was just, uh, well, sports are good, sports are healthy, we like sports, so we're going to sports. I mean, I don't know how else to put in. If I read it to you out loud right now verbatim, it wouldn't sound much different. I don't think they're going to pull it off. I really don't. Uh, We're sitting here now in the middle of July, and football camps open in just a couple of weeks. And again, this isn't just the NFL. It's colleges. It's high schools. And at the same time, you're seeing the state's case numbers for coronavirus keep going up. The country's case numbers keep going up. And whether or not you are a believer slash proponent of the idea that case numbers are going to lead to an inordinate number of hospitalizations and deaths, The fact of the matter is, is that perception dictates. And what we have, especially as a result of the the first and early wave of the crisis in New York, is that it can and does have devastating effects if it's just left to its own devices, if you will, particularly among seniors and other vulnerable people in our population. It's not going anywhere. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's not It's not about to just die down and everyone's going to say everything's okay. So when you're talking about schools, and I'm going to repeat that I'm talking about both colleges and high schools, the first thing you're talking about is whether or not students are going to be in classes, right? So the fact that, for example, that neither the Pitt nor the Penn State football teams currently have anyone who's tested positive. In fact, my understanding is that there's really not that kind of count among any of the major colleges in the state or the region. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because the decision isn't going to be made by the PIAA or the NCAA uh, or the 
Power Five conferences that actually run college football. It just isn't. They're not going to be able to snap their fingers and say we're playing football. I'm sure they'd like to think that, but I don't think they'll get away with it for two reasons. One, the governing bodies, as we've seen, are always going to win out. So if you have press conferences like the one that Governor Tom Wolf had yesterday telling Pennsylvanians that there's going to be more restrictions about how many people can be indoors, more stuff about bars and restaurants, next door... Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio had a very similar setting, sounded a lot of uh, loud notes, if you will, about the state of the virus next door. They're going to win out. But the bigger issue is that the universities themselves, regardless of football or whether it's being played outdoors or if the stadiums are outdoors, the universities themselves are never going to be able to pull off football or any sports without students on campus. That's the decision that has to be made here. Remember, they're student athletes, as in they aren't getting paid. So no one can order them to come in. No one can order them to come play football. And you can't have a situation where, try to picture the the, the chancellor of the university, Patrick Gallagher, saying, uh, no classes for anybody from here. Everything's going to be done via cyber, via Zoom, whatever. Uh, But you football players, you go head down to Heinz Field and smash bodies with uh, whoever they end up lining up for their their cupcake opener. Do that in front of no fans, just so that we can collect the TV money. And uh, thank you very much, by the way. Thanks, kids. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen even in Happy Valley, where you would think that and know that football means way more than anything. It's not going to happen there either. James Franklin's voice isn't going to be any louder than Pat Narduzzi's, isn't going to be any louder than Urban Meyer's or anyone else's. Because they can't control whether or not the schools are open. The same thing applies to high schools. I was, as someone who has been a proponent of trying to continue our society as much as possible, including and notably in the avenue of sports, I've got to admit I was kind of put off by this one. Because, again, we're not talking about bringing the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Pittsburgh Pirates back or into safer settings than where they were before. Did you see the Major League Baseball numbers yesterday, by the way? Give me an aside here for a second. Before they went into their camps, their current training camps, they had a 1.8% positive rating uh, out of the 3,700 and change tests that they conducted among all players, all staffers for all 30 baseball teams. And that was actually considered to be a pretty good number. Everybody was kind of uplifted by that one. 
Since then, since the players have been at their camps, including the Pirates at PNC Park, that number is down to 0.02. No, I moved my decimal point out of whack. 0.2%. It's almost nobody because they've moved into a safer setting than where they were, which was pretty much everywhere. Seeing everything, touching everything, whatever. There was no controls. Now they're among their teammates. Now they're all wearing masks and doing everything and, and operating in clean environments and being told specific ways to stay safe. The Pirates are going to pull this off. I believe Major League Baseball is going to pull this off. The Penguins in the National Hockey League operating in a bubble, or two bubbles, I should say, in Toronto and Edmonton, are going to pull this off. College, man. College and high schools. We're talking about something else completely. We really are. We're talking about kids. Kids that want to go out on dates. Kids that want to do stupid things just like you and I have done stupid things. In our past, of course. That The moment you bring them on campus, whether it's a, a college or a high school campus... You've lost. There's no chance. They're going to test like crazy. They're going to, meaning positively, they just will. Right now, all these cases that we're seeing, and one very big positive to this is that the, the cases that we've seen, even in Florida and Texas, where they're really, really spiraling, is that they're among younger people because they're being a lot less careful. Well, there's still case numbers. There's still people that are carrying the virus who are going to go see grandma and grandpa and whatever else here and potentially affect them or uh, infect someone who is uh, low on immunity. That's dangerous stuff. This is a different world. And by that, I mean not just the obvious. I mean that when you're comparing the pros to the colleges and high schools, no, just no. Besides, let me throw this at you. What would be so awful about college football just pushing back to the spring? What would be so awful about high school football pushing back to the spring? What would be lost? Everyone would still be in class. You'd be playing in semi-cold weather or whatever. Who cares? It's football, right? What would be the difference? Hey, if a miracle happens, and you know what I mean by a miracle, a vaccine, and there's been a lot of positive news about that in the last 48 hours, might even have fans, might even make some money. Why roll out the football now? And I'm going to emphasize yet again, I'm talking about colleges and high schools here, not the NFL. Why roll it out now when you can roll it out later and maybe, maybe just get some money out of it, some tickets sold. It just seems a little bit too easy and too logical. And that's why, I, again, I was, I was just put off by this one. I, I didn't understand it at all, and I'm not sure I'm going to. I do understand that I'm grateful for you listening to this and every show that we have. And I'm going to remind you that the best way to support this particular podcast it's free, it's easy. Just set us for automatic downloads wherever it is that you get your podcasts on a regular basis. Thank you so much. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer. 
your window, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.